So I say to people, start small. Win the morning, win the day. If that's the only place you're going to start, win the morning, win the day. Start asking yourself different questions. I've said a couple of times today, the most powerful question you can ask is not, why is this happening to me? Why am I creating this? So if we understand that we create everything and we're the person solely responsible for that, not our husband, not our wife, not our parents, not our kids, right? It's really easy to blame everything on other people. But real change only happens when we go in and go, okay, so why am I creating this? And know that you're always creating for your highest good. Welcome to the Impact Roadmap, a podcast designed to give you the practical, concrete steps to grow your nonprofit or future forward business in a sustainable way. I'm your host, Joey Goon. Let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody, welcome. Today, we're sitting down with Allison Canavan. She's a UCLA-trained mindfulness facilitator from the Semmel Institute of Neuroscience, a master NLP practitioner, that's neuro-linguistic programming, a heart math facilitator, and international motivational speaker. And she she's amazing. We just produced and, um, and we're also attendees of an event that you know, where she was the keynote speaker. And we just, we, we really connected with her. We loved her message. It resonated so deeply with us. So we walked up to her and we said, Hey, come back to our, you know, we, we'd love to just capture this, right? Like this incredible energy and this dynamic and like what you're sharing with our audience. Can you come back to our studio and record a 60 minute podcast episode with us? And she's like, you know what? I've got an hour to kill in between my, my lunch meeting. And then after that, I'm jumping on a plane, but I've got 60 minutes right now. I really like you guys. Let's do this. And so we're really pleased to bring you this episode. And Ali's content is very much about choosing happiness as your, your internal state of being, that happiness is an inside job and that we can choose happiness and gratitude and joy in this moment and in this moment. And I'm happy right in this now. Moment. I know I'm, I'm happy right now. I'm happy too. I can't wait. I thought you're all going to be happy with this. <laughs> all right. So here's the episode. <laughs> And we're so grateful to have you, Allie. Thank you so much for inviting me. And it was so awesome. And it was that moment for me where I had literally just said on stage, take every opportunity as it comes. If the universe offers you an opportunity, take it. And then there you are going, do you have time? And I'm like, actually, right now, (laughs) right now, I have a couple of hours. So yeah, it was such an honor to meet you today, both of you. And what a beautiful group of people today. The Absolutely. energy in that room was just incredible. I thoroughly enjoyed this morning. And yeah, it was it was so heartwarming to see so many people really interested in doing the work. You know, that's what I really felt in that room this morning. So many people who were like, yeah, I really want to go in a bit deeper and take care of myself. And especially after the last few years and what so many people have been through in the world, it's like the opportunity to either you know, is this next decision going to take me on a better path or is it going to take me further away from myself? And like connecting with a question like that all the time, I think is really important, right? Because so many people over the last three years are making decisions that are taking them further and further and further away and thinking, how how can I get home again? And I think the message is that we can always make our way back home. It just comes with the next step, the next Mm. choice. And I really liked how you focused on, you know, you asked a question of the audience. You said, how many of you took action only after you're in a state of catastrophe? Mm -hmm. And quite a few hands went up. And I like how, you know, your message is that you don't have to wait until it's too late. And I think entrepreneurs in the room, like you said, they tend to push those boundaries and they burn out and don't even realize it. And then they say, oh, I have to change my life. But we can take control of our lives on a daily basis. And to your point of you had four minutes 
to, to spare in your car and you took that time to meditate and center yourself. So just being mindful of taking these moments before it's too late. And I used to be the person who lived with the myth of no time. You know, and I do say the myth of no time because everybody has the same 24 hours mm -hmm. and it's our relationship to time. You know, if we wake in the morning and say, oh, so much to do today, I'm never going to get it done. Well, I'm the universe. Your wish is my command. Now I have to make everything really difficult. Now I have to make you feel that everything you do today, you're going to be against the clock. Now everything you do, you're constantly going to be thinking about what you're doing next. So you're, it comes back to presence. If we're living that way, we're not present. Mm -hmm. As a mindfulness teacher, as a meditation teacher, what drove me into this space was my inability to be present, my predisposition to stress, my propensity to work and work and work and work and work and work, right? I'm, I'm in recovery eight years and getting to know myself, you know, as a former addict is is really interesting because what I did was I just replaced that with work, right? So it's like, where do you put that energy then? So it was really interesting when I got into recovery this time, I was working every hour, God sends. And I'm like, ooh, here we go. The same energy is just being channeled in a different direction. And what I was doing is causing myself burnout. So I was like, there has to be a balance, some sense of balance. And that looks different for everybody. And I'm a huge fan of keeping it simple now. We were speaking about that this morning. Yeah. I used to make everything so complicated. I used to think that somebody was keeping this big secret from us all, right? The key to happiness. It was like somebody knew something I didn't. And what I realize now is it's just moment by moment reconnecting with ourselves, Actually being in our life as it's happening, that's the magic. Your life is happening right now, right. not in the future, not in the past. And there's so many of these things that we say are cliche, right? We hear people say them. We share quotes on social media. We reshare these quotes, but actually living it is very different. So going back to what you said about this morning, those moments of I, when I got to the car and I parked the car and I looked at the clock and I said, I have four minutes. I'm outside the venue. Do I go in or do I spend four minutes meditating? And that four minutes absolutely transformed my morning. I know it did because afterwards I felt so much more grounded mm -hmm. and just set mm -hmm. a strong intention. And so that takes away this myth of, oh, I have to carve out all this special time, you know, to build in these practices. All of any practices that we do, like being a person of gratitude, being a person of increase, which is adding value to the world, you actually don't need to carve out more time. You just need to learn to see things differently. You know, how do we add value to the world? Let people out in traffic, smile at a stranger, you know, start doing really simple things. That doesn't require more of you. It actually just requires you to be a different person in the moment. It requires you to choose a different attitude, right? I can go into the supermarket and I cannot connect with the person who's ringing up the till, or I can have a conversation that might change her life and she might change mine. The moment matters. Like the moment really matters. There are moments in time where I have met strangers in car parks that have totally transformed my life. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, if I didn't have that interaction, I would never have had that moment. You know, you brought up something really interesting that resonated so deeply with me, which ultimately then encouraged and inspired me to to want to continue to develop our relationship. Because before today, well, I knew you because of the, the messages and the emails that entrepreneurs organization that EO was sending out about you, blasting you out and sharing all this amazing uh, you know, these, these videos and just information about your background and, and, um, 
anyway, when you, when you stepped on the stage today, you invited us to step into our power, into our true power. And my share, if you remember at the end, I raised my hand at the end of your keynote and um, I just shared the greatest gift that you had given to me was just reinforcing the idea that when we step into our true power and we scale inwardly, we have more opportunity to then serve outwardly. And our community, the people that listen to this podcast are individuals that are running businesses that are serving the world. Mm. And I think that sometimes we wanna do so much in service of others that we forget to serve ourselves. So can we talk a little bit about, and, and I'm guilty too. Mm -hmm. I'm hypocritical because I sit here as someone who's been burning the candle at both ends for the last two weeks, and I haven't taken that time to self-reflect and go in, inside and, and connect with my heart. T tell us a little bit about, um, maybe let's just unpack that idea. And, and it's interesting because my own personal journey, it's like giving to myself. I was brought up in Ireland, as you can probably hear by the accent, you know, in a very strong Catholic country when I was young. And the whole idea of doing anything for yourself was kind of guilt ridden. You know, if I give to myself, I'm selfish. If I think well of myself, I'm vain. I'm into myself. You know, right? when we grew up as teenagers, Jesus, she's so into herself, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're kind of almost afraid to even like yourself. Never mind, love yourself. Let's just start at step one, <laughs> you know? Right. Like liking yourself, you're like, oh, people will think I'm X, Y, and Z. So this is kind of the outside in thing. We're so worried about what other people think. And we're indoctrinated into a world of lack and scarcity, and that happens within us too, you know? So we don't see the worth in taking care of ourselves because we've never been taught that it's important. And that's really the most fundamental thing to talk about. It's not something that's taught in schools. You know, we're taught to be good citizens where we go to work and we do our job and blah, 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 blah. But we don't teach people about how amazing they are and how powerful they are and how every single person on this planet was created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, you have that divinity inside of you. Every single person does. Like, God didn't go, you, 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 and you, but not you. It doesn't work that way. But we've been indoctrinated into a world to kind of compare ourselves to everything and everybody. And I started modeling at 15, and I spent 20 years modeling. And, you know, I came from a family where my mom would go, Look at her doing this and why is she getting that show and you're not getting this, you know? So you never felt good enough. It's like, gosh, no matter what I do, it's not good enough. I should be doing more. I should be achieving more. And so because of that, I struggled for 20 years with depression and anxiety and then fell into chronic addiction because I was trying to fix myself by self-soothing my pain. And it was like, we'll just medicate you. And, you know, nobody ever asked me during those years, you know, what are you doing? Like, what's your lifestyle? Like, imagine if one of those therapists have asked me, and I'm not blaming therapists or anything. It's just that there's gross disconnection in a lot of these fields with how we deal with things. And nobody ever said to me, like, how much are you drinking? I don't even think that question was asked. You know, people who are prescribing it, a lot of medication. Probably the number one question you should ask someone is, how much are you drinking? You know? And I always say to people now, since moving into recovery, and I did, I've done an awful lot of work around mental health, I always say to people, there is a direct correlation between anxiety and depression and alcohol. Mm. If you're struggling with anxiety and depression and you're drinking, you're making it worse. Like, that is not an argument, that is fact. And when I removed the alcohol, ooh, isn't it interesting? The anxiety and depression, for the most part, went with it. So there's a lot of things that I've learned through my own personal journey of trying to transcend 
the mindset and the limiting beliefs that I'm not supposed to give anything to myself, especially love. And when I started turning my attention towards myself, it's like miracles happened. But also I, I realized that sometimes I felt bad about feeling good. You know, when I started to do the work and when I started to feel really good, I actually felt guilty about that. And I was like, that's interesting for me to be with, right? Why do I feel bad about feeling good? I wonder, do other people feel bad about feeling good? Like, especially during COVID. Like, I didn't really struggle during COVID at all. I had spent years and years and years doing such enormous personal work on myself. Now, let's put it into perspective. When I moved to America, three months after moving here, my job disappeared. So I essentially lost my job three months after uprooting myself and my son and moving to a different country and shipping all my stuff. My shipping stuff hadn't even arrived when COVID started. I'm like, oh my gosh, after moving to LA. But because I had been doing so much work, I had this sense of self and I had this grounded place to work from where it's like, okay, this is happening. You know, let's use the tools we have. Let's work with it. I was able to approach life in a very different way. The only relationship that we have from birth till death, and I was talking about this this morning, is the one with ourselves. Like, really think about that. So, yes, we're born into a family. We're reared by a family. But we grow up and we leave. And we make a life for ourselves. We might create our own family. And then our own children grow up and they leave. You might stay with the partner your partner might pass away, however your life turns out. So the only constant in a world of an ever-changing world is you and you. That's it. And every spiritual teacher since the beginning of time, I don't, you know, no matter what texts you look at, and I've studied Buddhism and gone in deep into Christianity texts and all of the texts, really the basis of it is know thyself. Know thyself, know thyself, know thyself. And it's so powerful because if we don't know ourselves, how are we supposed to know where we're going? How are we supposed to know what's really best for us? And we can't really serve until we serve ourselves first. How do we start? We start here right now, right now where you are. Just presencing in this moment, taking a deep breath and having the intention to listen, to start listening to yourself to start going into that inner world and really listening. And the whole premise of mindfulness is to be aware in the present moment with an open and curious mind, but without judgment. Now let's look at what that looks like, okay? So for people who have never meditated before and you invite them to sit in a quiet space, you know, and people might have the notion of, oh, if I meditate, I'm going to be really happy. And then they sit in meditation and they close their eyes. And all of a sudden, all these really difficult emotions start to come up and somebody starts to panic. It's like, well, this is not what I expected. Because we're not in control of whatever's buried in there, it wants to come up to the surface, okay? So when we sit, and especially working with an open heart, connecting with our heart, and we allow whatever's emerging from within us to rise, and we can just meet it with, first of all, awareness and just be with it. Just be with it without judgment. One of the things we train on in Vipassana meditation, Vipassana is a form of meditation. You go, I've done a lot of 10-day silent Vipassana meditation retreats. And when you go into that retreat, you go in and it's noble silence. And what that means is no eye contact, no hand gestures, no speaking, no writing, no reading, nothing. Like absolutely nothing. It's just you and you. Like <laughs> That's it. And you really get to bear witness to 
what's really going on in here. But what it's teaching you is to train yourself and to learn how to have an equanimous mind, to learn what equanimity is. And equanimity is having a sense of balance. So we're either wishing for the good times to stay when things are good, you know, the beginning of a relationship, the first six months or year, I just want it to stay like this forever. Or when we're having the bad times, we want them to stop. We don't want to be experiencing them. So we have this kind of extremist pendulum swing. And the thing is that if we can have a more equanimous mind, we're better able to just enjoy the moments that are really good without clinging to them. And we're able to be in the times that are a little bit more challenging without willing them away. So we're able to have more presence. My Buddhist teacher used to say to me when I was in my 20s, Sagyong Rinpoche, he used to say, oh, here she comes. <laughs> here she comes clinging. And he used to do this when I was walking in the room. He used to go clinging. And in my 20s, I didn't really fully understand the concept of what he was saying. And he kept saying to me, you are causing yourself so much pain and suffering because you can't let go. You're trying to control everything so much. And it was years and years and years of studying and doing this practice. He passed away a few years ago and I've had so many aha moments since he's left. And I'm like, oh, I really hope you can hear me because I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's only taken 20 years, but I get it. <laughs> I love that concept of bringing in. I mean, you talked about Greek philosophy, know thyself. And yeah. the Greeks were also, um, they were very in tune to the concept of hubris and keeping the middle way. And that middle way, this idea of balance. Yes. Um, and we've talked a lot in here about the pendulum swinging too far mm -hmm. in either direction, but you have to have some of that balance or yin-yang or however you mm -hmm. want to conceptualize that. I'm also mindful of that you travel a lot. Yeah. And one of the things when you're on the plane and they're going through all their instructions, they say, if that oxygen mask drops from the ceiling, put it on yourself yeah. before you put it on that person next to you. Because mm -hmm. if you can't take care of yourself first, then you can't show up for others. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's a really powerful thing. And to give ourselves permission to take care of yeah. ourselves. When I first started meditating, I got angry with myself because I was like, I can't even do this right. Yes. My mind keeps wandering. What's wrong with me? Why can't I even <laughs> meditate? And it's like, wow, what does that say about that mindset that I need to sort of purge those thoughts? There is not. I would love to hear if there's anybody in the world who's ever meditated that hasn't had that, <laughs> that's right? Just, like, like literally, perfect. Yeah. That's I right. mean, for, for the first <laughs> decade of my practice, it was like torture. I was really because I had one of my early, early teachers. I was super young. I was in my late teens. Meditation was only accessible through Buddhist centers. It wasn't like it is today. I remember the teacher instructing, you know, clear your mind, clear your mind. So every time I would sit in meditation, obviously all these thoughts. And you know, if I say to you now, think about a pink elephant, do you think you're going to think of a pink elephant? So someone says, clear your mind, and I'm just going to have loads of thoughts coming in. So I remember my, my teacher saying, years later, how are you getting on with your practice? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I, I think I'm doing okay. I just, I really can't clear my mind. And he was like, hmm, that's because you are not dead. And I went, oh, <laughs> it's kind of like the penny dropped. And he's like, there's no such thing as totally clearing your mind. You become the observer. I, when I teach kids in school, I kind of teach it to them from the perspective of if you're watching a motorway go by and you're watching all the cars and each car represents a thought. So you're literally just observing your mind. You're just watching those cars come by. And then what might happen is you see this amazing red Ferrari and the next thing you followed it. And that's when you followed the thought and gone into story. But eventually you'll realize, oh, I'm after following the Ferrari. 
And then that's okay. You just go, oh, there I am, gone into story. We catch ourselves and we start again. Mm -hmm. So meditation is teaching us that we have the opportunity to start again, start again, start again. We take that practice into our day-to-day -day life because what happens on the cushion in our formal practice has to be brought into our life. So living more mindfully, understanding that your next choice matters, right? Because people are always in despair that they've gotten themselves too far you know, down, down a rabbit hole and they can't get out. And it's like your next choice matters. You know, you're, they've done research studies recently where they're showing that our thoughts in the moment and our emotional state instantly affects our DNA, like mm. instantly transforms our DNA. Do you know Gaia TV? No. So Gaia TV is a membership where it has beautiful, a lot of on the quantum physics and quantum realities and a lot of documentaries. And there was a woman on there and she was doing this research and she was doing it with like Stanford and Harvard and stuff. And they took someone's DNA and they took a sample and, you know, asked the person to move into an energy of gratitude or whatever. And the DNA responded in real time. Then they moved it to a different room. Then they moved it to a different city. Wow. And no matter how far they moved the DNA from the person, boom. As soon as that person's emotional state changed, so the DNA. That, I mean, it's wild. What? Yes. It reminds me. I have of, to find that video and send it to you. That's, I mean, I know do. you're a student of, um, you know, quantum physics, and that gets into that concept of quantum entanglement that, mm -hmm. you know, particles at great distance, light years away, can behave yeah. identically. Yes. Um, and that that's is, what that is that's proving. Yeah. I mean, to me, it just blows my mind. It's like we have to, I feel like the more I know, the less I know. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, <laughs> preach. Like seriously, the more I study, the less I know. It's like, wow. I mean, this year I just started studying alchemy this year. And it's kind of the, the marrying of science and magic, the magic philosophies. And it's, you know, I got told in the beginning, be prepared to be very uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have to be willing to see that a lot of what we believe is just that. It's stories, it's beliefs, it's you know, ideas that we've decided to take on board and through that we're creating a reality. True. But it also is like smashing an awful lot of the perceptions that you do have. And that's really uncomfortable, right? Like it's uncomfortable when you have a certain idea of how things work and then somebody says, that's not it. And then you're kind of like, well, who am I? <laughs> what is this world? Where am I living? Like it's, it's fascinating, but it's kind of scary at the same time, you know? So what I find amazing is I feel like the only secret and the most important thing that's been kept from humanity is how powerful we are. I, I don't think many people in this world have any understanding of how truly powerful they are. I think that was one of the greatest gifts that you offered the you know, the hundred different entrepreneurs, CEOs, mm. founders in the room today was your idea of stepping into your true power. And Ali, this is without question what you were meant to do on this planet. You went from moving to America to now becoming the eighth most transformational coach in the United States. This is a study or a statistic on mm. USA Today's website that, you know, like this, you were meant for this, but for those individuals who may not be as aware of like the steps that they need to take mm -hmm. to step into their true power. I know we, we talked a lot about meditation. We talked a lot about mindfulness. What are some like practical steps that people might be able to take to really step into that 
their truest self express you know expression yeah, of self and, and thank you power. for that i appreciate it um, and my story is like everybody's it's evolutionary right i'm growing with me so i'm learning as i move and in the beginning it was just about being curious starting to become curious about yourself and the most important like we have superpowers like awareness is a superpower like Honestly, I cannot tell you how most people are asleep in this world, fast asleep in the dream. I know when I was in active addiction, I was fast asleep. You know, there was a part of me that was kind of always a soul seeker wanting to wake up. But one great way to numb yourself out is to use things like alcohol and drugs and everything that I was doing. Right. Because it's you're escaping just being present. You're escaping being here. And I think a lot of people do that because I think a lot of us are actually afraid of our own power. I think that's what part of it is. You know, I, I work with a lot of people who say to me, oh, I'm so afraid of failure. And I'll work with them for a while and I'll say, you're not afraid of failure. You're actually afraid of success. We have a ceiling for success. We have a ceiling for what we think we're worth. And this comes back to really bringing it down to the principles of being super simple. Everything is created twice, first in our thoughts and then in reality. Thoughts create things like they just do. Thoughts turn into stories, stories we tell about ourselves, stories we tell about our potential, our possibilities, stories we've been told, right? A teacher told me this when I was five. Perfect example. I was in school. I had an English teacher. We didn't vibe. We didn't get on. And she used to tell me I was terrible at English. I had a maths teacher who I got on amazing with, who just said, you're amazing at maths and, you know, you're amazing to teach. And I got an A1 in maths all the way up to my final exams. And I never got more than a D in English. Mm. So I was terrified to put pen to paper. I mean, terrified. And I remember when I went home to Ireland, when I was pregnant with my son, one of the magazines said, would you write a celebrity column for us on your pregnancy and when you have the baby? And I'm thinking, I can't write. What are people going to think, you know, when they read my writing? And I was writing for, for months and uh, I said to the editor, so, and she said, oh, you've such a beautiful way with words. And I'm thinking, I really don't. I mean, do you have any idea? And she said, don't ever go to a writing class because they'll take away your natural ability to write. And I'm thinking, oh, so she's saying I can write. But I was still living the story that a teacher planted in me. That seed grew into a huge plant <laughs> that I watered and nurtured and fed. And I had to drop that story. And I dropped that story and I've written thousands and thousands of articles for newspapers and magazines. I've written a book. I'm writing my second book. Like, but look at where that's me holding on to that story was stopping me from stepping into an aspect of myself that's actually one of my greatest gifts on this planet. So be careful about what you've been told about yourself and actually go into the story and say to yourself, is that true? Is it true that I'm a shit writer? <laughs> is it true that I'm really bad at English? No, maybe not actually. What has it costed me to believe that story? Well, it means that I have not put pen to paper. It means that I'm terrified to even write a card. It means that I'm paranoid if anyone reads something I write, that they'll think X, Y, and Z of me. Now you can do this process with every single thing. So how would I rewrite that story? Literally write it down and go, I'm one of the most amazing writers in the world. I'm a New York Times bestseller. I'm so happy and grateful now that I get to contribute to some of the biggest magazines and newspapers all over the world and keep telling that story. And if you keep telling that story, which I did, 
that'll start to happen. You're obviously going to have to take action. So I say to people, start small. Win the morning, win the day. If that's the only place you're going to start, win the morning, win the day. Start asking yourself different questions. I've said a couple of times today, the most powerful question you can ask is not why is this happening to me? Why am I creating this? So if we understand that we create everything and we're the person solely responsible for that, not our husband, not our wife, not our parents, not our kids, right? It's really easy to blame everything on other people. But real change only happens when we go in and go, okay, so why am I creating this? And know that you're always creating for your highest good. Even if it's a really uncomfortable situation, you're creating it so that you can learn and grow from it. There's always a gift and there's always a blessing, right? There's always a learning and there's always a gift, right? There's nothing that ever happens to us that we don't learn from, that we don't grow from. But it's what we choose to do in those moments that determines the person we become for the future. Okay, so what we choose to do when we're having a really difficult time. So the day I chose to give up drinking has totally transformed my life. It was one decision, one decision, one, that's it, right? So one decision can totally transform the trajectory of your life, totally transform. Like writing that email to somebody, if you're sitting at home and you want to start a business or you want to expand your business and you're thinking, I would love to reach out to that person, do it make that phone call, write that email. If they don't get back to you, they don't get back to you, but keep taking action. There's a beautiful teaching story. And part of A Course in Miracles is part of a dream building course I teach. And also there's a teaching story in the beginning. And it's a woman who wanted to open a hotel and she wanted to open a hotel and have all these different themed rooms. And it was a real dream of hers. And it was a dream she was never going to give up on. And she went to the bank and they said no. And she went to the bank and they said no. And she went to the bank and they said no. And she went to the bank and they said no. See where this is going? How many people would give up after trying three or four times? Because a lot of people read, read spiritual laws. I went to the bank once and the bank said no. So that means obviously it's not for me. I know lots of people who say that, right? There's, you know, which I'm like, oh, no, no, that's not how it works. A, if you're not a fit receptacle, A, if the universe doesn't really believe that it, this is what you want, you know, that's not going to come into form. You know, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. And she, I think she went to the bank 60 times and finally got it. And that hotel is still standing today somewhere in Florida where people can go. And everything that she ever imagined was there and more. <laughs> so it just shows us that like people give up on themselves and on life way too easily. They really do. I see it with people all the time. They come to me and they say, oh yeah, but I meditated for like a couple of weeks and I didn't feel any different. And it's like, okay, so how long have you been worrying? How long have you been waiting for the other shoe to drop? How long have you been holding those kind of stories your whole life? And you expect two weeks of a practice to totally transform your life? I mean, you're not even scratching the surface. So, you know, our bodies, our mind, our spirit reads consistency. You know, if you want to start a daily prayer practice, you know, you don't have to be religious. You don't have to, nothing like that. But for me, meditation is listening. You can call it listening to God, the creator, the universe. And prayer is talking, asking, and always praying in gratitude. Always. Never praying, asking for. Always praying from a thankful perspective. You know, as if it's already happened. Because remember that the universe that we live in, time is only beneficial for us. But the universe, there's no time. You know, it's, it's dealing in a whole different energy. It's a quantum level it's dealing at. So start small, win the morning, win the day and be patient with yourself. There's a few key ingredients for real change to happen. Consistency, discipline, patience and trust. 
you have to have patience and trust. You have to trust that the work you're putting in, that something is happening, you know, that you will, good things will happen if you put the work in. And that's when people give up. They don't, people today don't, a lot of people don't have faith and trust. I know in 2020, I went through a year of surrender. That was my, definitely my year of surrender. Yeah. 2021 was my year of patience. And this year has been an, an, an real teaching on trust. I feel like the universe is saying you've got to trust. So we're going to see if you can do that, you know? And Ali, it sounds like, so you've been at this for a while. Mm. And would you say that um, at, at a certain point you begin to habituate these behaviors to where it becomes 100%. the default mode? Yes. Do you still have moments, though, where you have to take a time out and, and really force yourself to meditate or to do something? Do you still have those Every blocks. single morning when I wake up, I have to stop, catch, change my morning. I spoke about this today. Stop, catch, change is something I wrote in my first book. And it's stop. We practice the pause. We catch the thought, behavior, or emotion. And we change it to a different one. Now, the catch change has to happen really quickly because your brain instantly is going to want to go back and tell you why you should just press snooze, stay in bed, not do this, not today. You can do it tomorrow. You've got to understand the way the brain works. It's there to protect you. Your brain is not your motivator and your brain is never <laughs> going to say, let's do this, right? Like it's not going to happen. I think I was waiting for the moment, um, you know, waiting to be ready. If you're waiting to be ready for change, you're going to be waiting till you take your last breath. That was the biggest lesson for me. Most mornings when I wake up, there's that split second of, I want to press snooze. I don't need to do breath work today. Do I really need to meditate? And those particular mornings where it's really challenging for me, I might be feeling exhausted or, you know, like last week with the time change, I just remember my alarm going off at half five and I was like, oh, it's, you know, I probably could get away with staying in bed for another hour. And it doesn't mean that I'm like rigid all the time. Like on the weekend, I'll still have my morning practice, but I might do it later. Mm -hmm. But during the week, I just lie in bed and I do maybe 15, 20 minutes intense breathwork practice. And afterwards, my energy is totally transformed. And every single solitary day, there's not a day I wake up. When I do my practice, I was like, oh, that's amazing. I'm so happy I did that. And it's like, I'm reteaching myself every single day. So I don't think you get to a stage. I think the default back to the familiar is always a very strong pull. And I would never be naive enough to think if I gave up all the practices I have now, that that pull back to the familiar wouldn't take me back to potentially depression, anxiety, addiction. Remember that. I know what it's like to wake up and not want to be here most days. I know what it's like to wake up and just, I just couldn't, I used to just think, let me get through the day so I can get back to bed. That was literally mm. the energy that I lived in. I cannot tell you how many times I wanted to check out. I cannot tell you. And of course, not realizing that as I'm drinking and drinking and drinking, that I'm perpetuating that even more. So I'm going lower and lower and lower and lower. And there was just to have an appreciation for life and to love the life I'm living. There's not even one breath every day that I take for granted. Like I am so grateful to feel good because <laughs> I didn't for so long that I don't like that level of gratitude that I have for that. I want to do my practices every morning because I know how powerful they are. I want to check in numerous times a day. Like years ago, I used to go, oh, I can't believe I have to go on this long flight. Now I'm like, 
wow. Okay, so what am I going to read? I can do an hour's meditation. I can do like all that time now. It's like, I can't imagine ever being bored. There's so much to do. There's so much to learn. I just, my mindset is totally different now. It's a simple reframe. Yeah. It's, and you say, I just pulled up. So I, I have to give a shout out to my wife, Stephanie, who was like frantically researching you on our way to the office so I could pull out little nuggets of, you know, because usually we're well researched on the people that we're interviewing. And this was just spontaneous. We were so inspired by your talk on the stage. We're like, you know what? The universe is calling us to, to go up to her and ask if she would come and talk on our podcast. And I called my wife on the way back to our office, which you followed us back here. And here she is doing all this research. And she pulled up a quote that your word is your wand. Yes. And, on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and um, your your word is your wand. And I love the idea of changing your words and that changes your paradigm. Going from I have to do this yes. to I should do this. Oh, I have a better to one. To the I choose to do <laughs> yeah. this. What's your better one? So when I work with parents, I hear an awful lot of, oh, I have to get up with the three kids in the morning and then I have to drop one to soccer and then I have to do this and then I have to do that. And I said, how could we reframe this to I get to? <laughs> I get to wake up with my kids in the morning. I get to bring my kids to soccer. I get to bring, drop them off to school, right? That's beautiful. To listen to the energy of I have to. Just look, really tune into your body. What's going on in your body? I have to. It feels really heavy, <laughs> right? Oh, I have to do this. I really believe in the power of word and your word is your wand. It's actually a chapter in my new book. I, I think it's so important to understand that words carry frequency and how we speak about ourselves and how we speak about others. If you think, have you ever heard of um, Dr. Emoto's work? He's passed away, but he used to work with water. water. Yes. So basically he spent his life looking at the frequency and vibration that water holds on the basis oh, of words. I think you shared that with me. And I used to play this video in my full 360 events in Ireland because some people are visual, some people are auditory, people learn in different ways. And watching his work, so for anyone here, we can, we can put them in the show notes actually, I'll send you the video. Sure. And he basically exposed water to different words, like first of all, gratitude and love and everything and put them under, froze it and put it under a microscope and they would make the most beautiful, beautiful crystalline formations. You can actually see where people get inspired to make jewelry, right? You can see how everything is interconnected. And then they did an experiment on the Fujiwara Dam um, in Japan, and they put it under a microscope and it was like, it's like it had just been bombed, right? It was just, there was, it was ugly and it was dark and they prayed over it and then put it back under and it was this beautiful crystalline shape. So if we think that we are depending on what scientists you talk to, between 70 and 75% water, right? That what is the frequency of our words doing to the vibration of our body? We speak to ourselves in a really negative way and water changes structure like that so quickly. We're carrying the vibration of how we speak about ourselves around with us. And if you think of yourself like an antenna tower, that's constantly emitting a frequency to the universe about how you feel. If that's one of lack and negativity and not being good enough, well, then you're literally bringing, you're drawing that back into you like a magnet. You can change your vibration, change your energy just by changing how you speak to yourself. I used to do loads of mirror work years ago when I was starting this process and I was really shocked at how looking at myself, really looking at yourself in the mirror. I would challenge everyone to look in the mirror 
most people wake up in the morning, they wash their face, they brush their teeth. They don't really look at themselves. But to actually stand in front of a mirror and look into your own eyes, like really look into your own eyes for two or three minutes and notice what happens in your body. Some people start crying. Some people feel really sad. Some people can't do it. They look away. Mm. They just are like, I can't do it. I can't look at myself. But over time, that is the greatest gift you can give yourself is to be able to look at that person in the mirror and saying, I love you. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for everything that you do for me. And being able to have that level of a relationship with yourself. Because most of us are avoiding pain that's going on inside of us. You know, we're so afraid of our negative emotions. You know, as soon as somebody passes away and somebody starts grieving, they go to the doctor and they get a tablet. I know when my dad passed away when I was 21, we were offered all sorts of pills. Oh, your dad just died. Take this for a week. Well, God forbid we grieve, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody's just died. Somebody's just passed away. You know, God forbid we allow ourselves to feel, like to be human and to feel. And I remember even when James was younger and I realized that when he got upset, I got uncomfortable. It wasn't about him being upset. It was I was uncomfortable with the emotions. So it's the work is in me, not in him, right? So I can discipline him and say, you know, you hear all the time parents saying, shh, stop it, stop crying. That's genuinely probably not about the kid and more about the parent going, this is making me really uncomfortable, stop crying. You know, so when we can turn it always, always, always back in towards ourselves. You know, our kids mirror our central nervous system. One of the greatest gifts I got from Gabor Mate was him saying to me, your toddler is mirroring your central nervous system. Not a lesson I really wanted because I was kind of pretty attached to the victim consciousness then still, you know, the whole idea of taking full responsibility was not quite there. I wasn't really wasn't quite there yet. And so I remember getting in the car and being really angry and saying to my friend, I mean, he's basically saying it's my fault. My friend was saying, no, it's not what he's saying, but that's how you're choosing to take it. But a part of me knew he was right because I was chronically stressed. So when he hit that soft, sore point in me, it triggered me because I knew that was the truth. I knew the truth was that I was really stressed and that I had to then go in and do the work. I was the person as the mother that had to go in and go, I need to address my stress. I need to say, okay, so how am I showing up as a parent? You know, am I reactive? Am I responsive? Do I need to calm down? Do I need to bring myself back to peace? So now my child has, oh, he's 12 and he's always my indicator. Like if he's off a little bit, the first thing I do is going, what's going on with me? <laughs> and kind of in that moment go, what's going on with me right now? You know, and because we do, we mirror each other. We mirror each other's central nervous system. You know, if we bring ourselves into coherence through a heart-centered practice, our electromagnetic field, when we're in coherence, naturally will bring you into coherence and you too, Dave. You know, so energy is powerful, right? Like really being mindful of our energy, but also getting to know your own energy is really powerful too. Most people have no idea of why they're burnt out, why they're exhausted in the evening, you know, why they don't have enough energy to get them through the day. And it's really important that we start really paying attention to our energy. And that means paying attention to who you spend time with. Pay attention to who you're on the phone with, talking about your word as you're on. Are you gossiping? Are you complaining? Are you in a group of people where somebody starts gossiping and everyone, that's exhausting, right? That takes an awful lot of energy. 
So when I say your word is your wand, I'm like, be careful about how you speak about yourself and about others because you're going to bring it into form. We are literally creating our world as we speak. So we became really mindful about the words we speak and email and text, you know, (laughs) and write. You know, I'm reminded of the work of uh, the late Dadella Meadows from MIT, the system scientist, and she wrote about in systems thinking parlance, the most Mm. powerful place to intervene in a system is at the level of the paradigm or the mindset. Mm. Because this is getting to your point of our mindset, our thoughts, the stories that we tell ourselves govern our behavior and help shape our reality. And then biologically, you know, your thoughts, and you spoke about this in your talk today, are we in rest and digest mode or Mm -hmm. fight or flight mode? And increasingly today, more and more fight or flight mode. And a lot of that then ties to, you know, cortisols and epinephrine and, and adrenaline and these chemicals in our system. So we can actually create physical realities just based on our mindset. And to me, that's, that's such a powerful connection at different scales from the very large to the very small. I love mm. how you just said it so perfectly and beautifully there. Like, <laughs> I could never have said it better than that. <laughs> um, and it's so true. And when we start to realize the interconnectedness of everything, that's the thing, you know, it's like in all the Buddhist philosophies, whether you're doing Tonglen or loving kindness or these beautiful practices, what I love about the Buddhist philosophy, it's to benefit all beings everywhere because it comes from the core principle that everything is interconnected. And we really experience pain and suffering when we see ourselves as a separate entity, a separate self. I'm separate from everybody else. And the truth of it is that what affects one affects everyone. So when people say to me, how can I change the world? I change yourself. You want to really change the world? Change your frequency, change your vibration, because by you raising your vibration and your frequency and doing the work, you naturally bring other people with you. So we change the world one by one by changing ourselves. So there's a field of consciousness. Ask yourself the question, what am I feeding the field? What am I f- if the field of consciousness directly feeds you back, you want to know how you are and what you're doing and you really want to become aware of your patterns, what am I feeding the field? And become really aware of that because the field will meet you exactly where you are exactly where you are such powerful questions to ask yourself because it brings you into the moment and that's when you can stop catch change it back to your point of awareness yeah because life is what happens to you while you're busy making plans for it right yeah exactly yeah (laughs) to stop a moment smell the roses or whatever your flower of choice is right yeah and like we can never remind ourselves to be more present like when i'm standing in the line in the supermarket or when i'm in you know a big like today i'll be going through tsa and there'll probably be lines and lines i always use that moment now to be mindful okay so put your two feet in the ground let's do some breath work while we're standing here like have some fun with it you know that's one thing I say with all of this wellness thing that I I did for many years is I took it all very seriously and it's not that I don't take life seriously now but what was missing was fun and joy like I realized through the years you know getting into recovery you know having a meditation practice every day practicing gratitude and I remember thinking to myself wow I need more fun And fun and joy is actually who we are. We're beings of play. And every time I get into this kind of mode of work, 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 and the creativity just comes to a crashing halt. And I'm like, oh no, there's not even a word. I remember I I sat down a few weeks ago to write and I was like, great, I have the whole day for writing. And I think three sentences came out and I was like, hmm. And then of course I started to notice the story of getting annoyed with myself because this is the day I had had panned out for writing. And if I don't do it today, then this isn't getting done. And the story starts and then you start to spiral, right? 
And I just said, let's get up. I'm going to get my son and we're going to go out and we're going to have fun. And we had such an amazing day and it was so beautiful. The next morning it just flowed. It just flowed. And there again, proving to myself, we have, we're in this life to live it, right? And sometimes we forget to live. You know, we're so obsessed with doing and doing and doing and doing that we forget to just be. And it's, and I keep reminding myself of this all the time. The more I live and the more fun I have and the lighter I am, you know, I have to constantly remind myself to lighten up. And the lighter I am, the easier life is. Everything flows, everything just moves. It's like I get into the stream of life and I move with it instead of swimming against it, you know? So, and I have mornings. I used to be a, a salmon, you know, getting in, going upstream all the time. And life just works better when you just move with it. Just move in that direction. It's so much nicer. Like those moments of inspiration that people say an idea just dawned on me when I was sleeping or in the shower yes. because you yeah. took a minute to not just actively fixate on that idea and it, and it came to you. You did the work. Yep. You marinated it and then, oh, wow, now I'm putting ideas together differently. Yes. I gave myself the space to breathe. Exactly. I love that. It's fascinating because we are indoctrinated into this like pressure of society. We're conditioned to believe that if we're not doing, we're not productive. Yes. And so we guilt trip ourselves, myself included, when I do take the space to go inside and like to meditate and to just sit with myself or to to do, you know, the work like Kamal Ravikant. I love myself, the book, which I don't know if you've heard of that book, yeah. but you were really speaking to me when you said, look into the mirror and tell yourself that you love mm-hmm. yourself. Like when we do things like that, we're like, but I could be being productive right mm-hmm. now. Well, this goes back to story and it goes back to indoctrination and belief systems. So, you know, when people when I work with people, it's kind of going through the the belief system of okay so you believe that in order for you to be successful you have to sacrifice a lot right is that true mm, yeah actually maybe it is right well then you're saying to the universe that if something comes to me easy I don't deserve it right and then another belief in this society is that we have to work 16 18 hours a day especially if we're an entrepreneur we have to give literally sacrifice our entire lives to be successful and if we don't do that we're not going to be successful these are really toxic belief patterns that we have really toxic and that's all they are is stories they're indoctrination stories and we've got to go in and we've got to we've got to re rewire our mind to the fact that we don't have to work 16 hours a day just to get a little bit of success a little bit of happiness right and I had all of this going I had the belief system that I remember when I started my own business like I was modeling and I always had my agent and all of these people kept saying to me you're going to be working for yourself now I'm with a young baby oh my god you're never going to have time for anything you're never going to have time for a life you're not going to be able to go out well lo and behold for the first couple of years of my business I never had time for anything I never had time to go out because I took on that story and I started to live it and so then I was like oh I don't like this story when I started really studying these philosophies I was like oh this is a story I'm carrying and I was like I don't have to work every hour God sends I can change that story and I've totally transformed that story and actually grown my business more and not working as much (laughs) you know and so it's really interesting when we have to go very deep in for our true belief systems like what's really going on here What's the driving force behind this pattern that I'm seeing in my life, you know, and going in and doing that deep self-reflective work. Nobody can do that for you. There's nobody that can do that work. You're the only person that can. And let me tell you, it is the most liberating 
freeing, expansive, abundant, amazing work that you can do because you're just constantly calling yourself out in your own shit all the time. (laughs) It's just a process of, here I go again. Oh God, yeah, that's a story. Okay, let's drop that, please. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, where, how to close. Um, My mind is swirling. (laughs) Anything that we, we did not talk about that maybe just some some parting thoughts of wisdom that you might want to share that we didn't have an opportunity to unpack? I think really for people listening, the one thing I would say is start living in your life. Remember to stay connected. Remember to spend time with those you love. Like I think over the last three years, we've started to realize what's important. And remember to connect with your heart and choose love over fear all the time. Like really do choose love over fear. It's so powerful when we start to understand that love is the most powerful force in the universe. Like it really is. It transforms everything. It's the only thing that's real is that we're beings of love. I I look at it as our true nature is love and it's like the blue sky, the clear blue sky in a beautiful day. And then we have weather patterns like all the clouds and storms that come in. So some days we think, It's not our true nature because I just feel stormy all the time. I can't see the blue, but that blue is always, always, always there. And since I've really learned the real meaning of love, like not the conditional love I was reared with, not the conditional love most people are reared with, because most people are reared with, if you behave a certain way, if you do this, if you treat me a certain way, then I will whatever that looks like. And so we even withhold from people if they don't give us what we want, right? Mm. So one of the things I've learned is to just give, give without expectation. It's been absolutely transformational. And you actually today, thank you so much, Joey. You really helped me to step into a lesson that I have been trying to learn for myself and really integrate is accepting with grace, accepting with grace and gratitude. And today when you stood up at the end of the talk and you said that you would love for me to be leaving with the gifts for people to share what they got from today's talk, that really, like, it helped heal my heart in so many more ways than you'll ever know. And I just thought, isn't this so interesting that this is the principle I've been working on this year is being able to receive, just receive, receive goodness that's coming to you. And we talk about the universe aligning and then you gave me that opportunity today. So I want to really thank you for that. And thank you for having me. This was so fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're, uh, you are such a gift. Thank such you so a gift. Much. In the short time that I've known you, you've really transformed my life and, uh, and my world, my inner world, um, and just helped me reinforce ideas that I've been... Um, um, aware of and and know that I need to be more mindful about and around um and I plan to see now I'm getting into my head instead of into my heart Mm. that happens all the time when the cameras are on just and that's a beautiful moment to just go back into your heart again I just keep thinking I did that last night (laughs) I did that last night in the middle of my talk and it's so interesting I've been doing this for 12 years right and I did that in the middle of my talk and I went into my head Mm -hmm. and I was like what am I talking about and I haven't done that in such a long time that it frightened me right I was like that's so interesting and I literally in that moment couldn't remember anything and I just said to myself go into your heart 
go into your heart and say whatever comes into your heart. It doesn't have to be what you prepared. Right. Yeah. But something's seeking to come through. Yeah, right. So in those moments and there we go back to trust. And I felt like <laughs> when we talk about what we're creating everything, why did I create that last night? I created that so I could learn how to trust myself. Right. I would rather that not have happened, <laughs> right. obviously. But if I can look at the gift from it, I created it to see, you know, this stuff, you live this stuff, trust yourself. Right. So there's always a beautiful opportunity. Absolutely. In everything. I yeah. love that. That story. Trust yourself. You're human. You're not perfect. It's a journey. Yes. And just go with it. Beautiful. I love it. Thank Speaking of so journeys, much. hope you have a safe journey back home to L.A., right? <laughs> yes. No, to Texas. Oh, I'm sorry, Texas. Texas now. Yeah. Texas next. <laughs> well, um, yes, safe travels. It was lovely to spend Thank some you. time with you. Yeah, you too. Thank you Thank both you, so Allie, much. Thank you, Allie, for all the gifts that you've shared with us today. Um, last but not least, where can people find you? Yeah, my wanna... website, alisoncanavan.com or alisoncanavanwellness on Instagram, and which I'm on mostly. And you do personal coaching, right? Transformational coaching. I do coaching. one-to-one coaching, yes. Uh, amazing. Yeah, for people right. as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. appreciate it. Thanks, Ellie. Hey, if this episode was valuable to you, then go ahead and share it with someone that you love, someone that could benefit from hearing it. Also, be sure to subscribe, and depending on how you're listening, leave a comment or review. These quick, simple steps are how our show grows so that this critical information can reach other nonprofit leaders just like you. And if your company is in the early or even late stages of putting on any event, go to our website, utopiaexperience.com, and click the Book Us tab and schedule a free discovery call to see if our services would be a right fit for you and your event. And even if they're not, our expertise will steer you in the right direction so you'll get value either way. Thanks for listening to the Impact Roadmap. We'll see you next time.